All right, everybody, it's time for our uh, episodically modular with slight touch of seriality series uh, that's produced uh, not here but elsewhere. It's a historical account uh, I was ma- able to maintain, uh, maintain, acquire. Uh, I was gifted. It was sent to me uh, by uh, someone so wise that I'm turning the show right over to them. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to turn the show over to Emma Otter. Hi, hi, everybody. This is Emma Otter. Uh, I'm an otter named Emma. And I'm recording a series of, uh, like, accountings of uh, something that happened in my town, uh, some things that were very odd, and uh, that I call odd, the odder things that happened in my, you know, it's in my, like, it's not a diary, though. Because to me, you know, no offense, but you say, oh, Emma has a diary. And I say, no, no, this is a, like, a, like, a, I'm, a, like a, I'm a budding journalist, I'd say. Audio journalist, ideally. So, just just so you know, but but so uh, I'm I'm an otter. Nice to meet you. Uh, I live in a town in a swamp, uh, like a smaller smaller town, not a small city, but a town. And you know, we live in the greater swamp area. Like you may be familiar with some of the bigger cities, like Henson Town and River Bottom. Uh, but we're out on the edge, you know, in three directions is the greater swamp area uh, that we know of. And then uh, in one direction, we're right up against the border of the place beyond the swamp uh, where we're not allowed to go. And it, it, there is things beyond there. You know, I haven't been beyond there, but uh, th- there is a thing called the visitor center and a bog walk and... It's separated from the swamp by a road with a tunnel. And there's mysterious, like, vehicles without drivers. That's giant vehicles that sometimes go on the road. And we do know that uh, uh, the head of our resource, our community resource department, uh, Leon the Bullfrog, who is also an important member of our community, has been there. Uh, mostly asking, oh, to get to my, to get to me. So I'm, I'm an otter and I'm in middle school. I have uh, a family, my mom, my dad, my sibling, and then my older brother, Tefe. He's in high school and he kind of knows everything and knows everybody and has the best. He says, I'm the smoothest otter, you know, that's ever was. But I also have three friends, all, you know, all who could consider themselves my best friend. Or maybe now I guess I have four friends. Um, and, you know, they know where, you know, wherever they hold in their heart that they are and I am in our friendship, they're correct. And I'll describe them in no particular order. So I have uh, some friends. Uh, I have a friend, Elijah, that I, I call LJ. Another friend, Vaughn, that I call V sometimes. And then uh, uh, a friend named Willow. Uh, And we have our new friend that we met recently, uh, Billy. And when we met Billy was when we played this game, a role-playing game called Bards and Bunnies. And one night after we played... Willow went home, but Willow went on a, a journey. 
And I'll tell you in telling you these stories that in the end, all will be well. Things will be odd, but things will be, because, just because things are odd doesn't mean they're well at the same time. So all will be well, even when things feel and seem, or you say factually, they are odd. So I want you to know that as well. So where was I? Uh, oh, so Willow, when we, we said we had been told Willow went to the big city and recorded an album, and they'd even discovered some discarded copies of Willow's album. Uh, which, you know, Will is in middle school. There are, you know, successful middle school musicians across the swamp, greater swamp area. But it was kind of surprising because Will hadn't told us about it. And then the album, a lot of the songs in the album passively, aggressively, or directly kind of made fun of our town. And the people in it, including our, us, me, and, my, and our friends. So we were disappointed we also felt like, well, this is odd. This isn't like Emma. At the same time, before we knew about the album, we were looking for Emma because we thought, you know, with the lore of the big bunnies, that maybe Emma got caught up with a big bunny type thing. And we went and looked for Emma, and that's when we met Billy, who's a bit being like a bit like a beaver, but with a duck's bill, uh, more or less. But I say, well, that's a giant. It's a pretty big bill. But it's like a, like right size for Billy. We also learned that Billy has powers, a power kind of like singing from within her bill or her throat and then to active singing. Much like in the game Bards and Big Bunnies, she has magical or superpowers or some sort of uh, energy-based power that's beyond our understanding. And when she th- sings, she can make time slow down. She can move objects. She can inc- amplify songs and kind of communicate. Because uh, that's kind of where we found out last week that uh, actually uh, Willow was somewhere. Wasn't gone to sell an album, which we had thought, but was somewhere and kind of needed us to come help uh, help her uh, keep all as well. It was, she was involved in some sort of odd uh, confluence of events. And, uh, like, uh, we said, Billy, do you know, because Billy had contacted her through a tape, tape player playing backwards, but we'll get to that. We said, Billy, do you know where uh, Willow is? Meanwhile, now Willow has a family. She has her mother, Frances, and her sister, Dari. And Frances at first said, well, I don't understand why my daughter would move away and start a music career without informing me first. While that seems normal for some teens or preteens, it doesn't seem like Willow. And she refused to believe it. Even when they showed her, they said, well, this is the album she recorded. Uh, it was discarded. They played something that supposedly sounded like her. Uh, it was a song she had sung in a talent show. Uh, but it, like Francis just refused to believe it. And then she had thought she had been in contact with Willow uh, through some uh, wind chimes because she's a bespoke wind chime maker. She also had commercially made wind chimes. And uh, Francis had become pretty convinced that she was in contact with Willow and that there was big bunnies around and that maybe a big bunny 
uh, was having, and this is maybe the conclusion we had, that Willow was with a big bunny in a recreation of our town. There's maybe a smaller, smaller size down or something. Anyway, but at this point, uh, Francis is really starting to wonder, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, Willow did move away and start a music career. Uh, Dari, Willow's older sister, is also uh, trying to help her mom, trying to manage. She, she also has a friend, Babs, that her and Tefe had gone with. And then now Babs has moved away, apparently. So Dari's like, oh, there is something odd going on here. But I just wanted to catch up. I'll catch up on more. But if you've never listened to one of my audio broadcasts before, that's fine. You can listen to these in any order. That While there is a seriality, I make sure to catch you up on the seriality so that you can listen in an episodically modular way. So I'm happy to be here, and I'm also happy to introduce, you know, maybe our most famous resident. Also to remind you, all will be well. All will be well. Uh, but when you hear this voice, uh, you know everything will be well. It's uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, everyone. As the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. Everyone in the greater swamp area is time for otter things splish splash. Wow, thank you, Antonio. Thank you so much. Uh, and I look forward to playing a uh, uh, game with you later. Thanks so much. And this is uh, Otter Things, and I'm Emma Otter reporting. And when I last uh, talked to you, uh, like uh, we had, it was in, it was the evening, and uh, Leon, our head of community resources, had just headed a, like a, he had to slowly put together. Well, there's something odd going on beyond the swamp. They're not telling us everything about Willow. I think they know something. Then the discovery of the albums for Willow. Everything tr- tried to, like, fit together too well, and it was odd. You know, the, the, the Leon's gut said it was odd. And Leon eventually discovered that uh, through through a series of deduction and intuition and investigation that uh, the Willow's albums were fakes, uh, that there was no music on the albums, that the only music was on one uh, thing, and it was just a like a, a, a like changed version of the recording of Emma at a, a, a like years ago. I think they call it auto auto tune or something. Uh, and that uh, like that uh, uh that it was just a recording of Emma from uh, like a, a what do you call those things show and tell uh, it's a, a perf- talent show. How come they don't have journalism? How come you can't do if if you're listening and you're a kid out there in the greater swamp area or someplace beyond the swamp, uh, maybe do some journalism as a talent ta- for a talent show. People may not like it, uh, but they'll appreciate it one day. Or that's what I keep telling myself. But so Leon had realized, okay, there's something odd here. There's something going on in the place beyond the swamp uh, after the bog walk in the visitor center. And I think they're connected. Why would anybody else fake it? So Leon snuck in 
uh, first snuck across the road to the place beyond the swamp, then uh, actually swam next to the bog walk instead of walking on the bog walk, which led to the visitor center and waited until some people were leaving work because people work in the visitor center. It's some sort of uh, greater swamp community resource authority thing uh, going on there. And so Leon snuck into the building. And the first floor looks like not like a, it's kind of a rundown area, like a cover. And then snuck down a few levels, which again, each level got a little bit more polished and a little bit more. But even the third level down was still a cover, at least to Leon, who said, okay, well, this is looking like an office where they do basic studies of swamp, greater swamp area. And bird call analysis or, you know, anything. He said, okay, well, uh, but it, then Leon saw that there was like a, a like a, a, like a stretching room that stretched downward. And he said, okay, I got to sneak in there. But as Leon was trying to sneak in, he realized that the door was like, like it had a, like it needed a key. And then the head of uh, the the like the, the people that watch over access to the visitor center said, "Hello, hello, Leon. You're not mighty late at night to be wandering around our visitor center." And he was with some assistants, and uh, Leon said, "Oh yeah, you're right." Uh, um, and then they went back and forth, and Leon was trying to play. Well, you know, I just I left my uh, hat somewhere or something. And then Leon looked it down. And meanwhile, now, while Leon was talking, he was making eye contact with everyone. But at the same time, and this is that you could use this maybe if you need it, Leon was untying Leon's shoes with his heels. Uh, and then he said, okay, well, might as well, where, where, you need to escort me out of here. Oh, my shoes are untied. And here in our, our town, maybe the greater swamp, we have this thing called uh, everybody ties your shoes or reties your shoes. It's just something we are taught as kids. Uh, if one person's shoes untied, and it's a part of community building, but it's also a smart thing. You say, okay, untie and tie your shoes. And uh, everybody that's ever lived, like that we know of, says, oh, okay. So Leon said, oh, even adults. So even it seems like childish to maybe someone that doesn't live here, but you say, oh, everyone does it. Uh, so Leon said, oh, we got to stop, stop and tie our shoes. And since it's my fault, uh, I'll tie your shoes. And this is kind of something different from town to town. And Leon said, you know, I'm a, I'm a civil servant. And, you, you know, I, I've like, you know, so they said, all right. Uh, in our area, this would not seem like an odder thing to have another adult tie your shoes or to stop and untie and tie your shoes. And Leon said, did you, did you know, like, he's very good at casual conversation. So he said, did you know I was, like, I'm the fastest shoe tire? Did you remember? And actually one of them said, oh, yeah, you were on the high school shoe tying team. And so Leon started trying to, he goes, yeah, I'll speed tie your shoes. You, don't, you won't even be able to see my hands moving. Now, meanwhile, what Leon did is, like, tied all their shoes together 
Uh, and then as he was doing that in like their ankles and everything, he tied his shoes too for real. And then grabbed the keys off of the key bank, you know, the key holster from the person and then ran and unlocked the, the, the stretching room. And then they didn't realize it. They just thought he grabbed their keys. So they stumbled and he used like, you know, fishing knots and stuff. So they weren't about to get their shoes untied anytime soon. And so he jumped in and went in the stretching room, locked the door behind him you know, did the old thing where you put the key in and you uh, bend it so it stays in there so you can't unlock it again and headed down. And then he was on a journey. He went down to like another level. It was just offices, uh, like office space, like cubicles, they call it, like where you don't get your own room. You just have a desk with uh, some walls around it. Then he went down another level uh, and it was more offices, and he said, this is, like, uh, not odd. I guess this is, like, uh, some sort of off- like a office building that descends. Uh, then he had to go all the way down to the end of the hall. Uh, then he f- f- finally said, well, this isn't it, but he, like, did some, he, he's, you know, he's deducting. He said, well... He started to look at the patterns on the floor and the traffic patterns and determined that there had to be some sort of hidden door behind a, one of the office bookshelves and went, found that door, went down another level. But it wasn't anything. It was a, it was a big cafeteria like you'd find in a school or a big workplace, uh, particularly in, in our time, like uh, the 1990s and so he said, okay, well, it's like a cafeteria was shut down for the night. Uh, then he went past the cafeteria. Then again, he had to find like another, like he said, oh, okay, there's, why does this cafeteria have two sets of freezers? Of course, because one set of freezers is fake. It's just a pass-through room. Passed through that room, and then he found a dormitories, and he said, well, that's weird. There's dormitories. This is for workers? Maybe workers, I'd say. And then he was in the dorms, and he could have sworn he saw singing. So he's running from dorm room to dorm room, listening. And he could have sworn he heard the song Step by Step. Uh, that's by uh, New Frogs on the Block. Uh, and he was like, wait a second, is that step-by-step? Step? Uh, and he was running through his steps and finally came in a room that looked like a kid's room or, or a, like a, it had some drawings on the walls and that stuff. Now, right as this was happening, we were in my basement of my house, uh, Billy, Vaughn, LJ, and I. And this was right when, like, like the last time I was telling you, we were playing this tape backwards, we were listening to it, and we were hearing, like I say, uh, like that we were supposed to, and then we said, we kept playing more and more, but eventually Billy's power battery, like the battery was stuffed as elf as Billy's power, the battery ran out. And we were like, okay, wait a second, what was that song? The first few songs we knew, but then we were like, are these made-up songs? Like, there was something like, we said, okay, sense, sensibility? Like, one sense as strong as, uh, like, and we were like, wait a second, uh, sound, sense, sound, and uh, we were like, wait a second, I don't know. 
And then someone was like, no sound, sound sounds. And we said, no, no sound size down. And then uh, Billy said, size down. Uh, like, uh, like, uh, and, and she showed her, like, uh, the Bards and Bunnies thing. Like, this is, like, size down, size down. And we said, okay, but the no sound... Size down. No sound go. And then we said, then it's, then Vaughn said, wait a second. Uh, uh, no sound. Something. Then there was something in there about up and down, like in the silent tower. We said the silent tower. Like remember the now the the, uh, the Southern Swamp trilogy, and then we tried to write our own adventure based on it. And we said, oh, yeah, 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 that was what that tower that grew up and down. And it was not, it looked like it was uh, made by hand, the part that grew up, but it really was organic. And it had all, like, oh, yeah, that was, like, so ripe for building an adventure because you could go up and then you would discover at the top that you had to go all the way down. That was real adventure. And Vaughn said, though, that's where the silent realm was. Uh, and we kind of forgot. We said the silent realm. And Vaughn said, yeah, where the, the, they, like, the, the, there's something in there and a power, like, uh, some sort of mysterious power. Remember, we didn't know if it was magic or other world power. But that in the lower world, you couldn't communicate by sound. Uh, the sound was amplified and decreased at the same time or something. And so you had to do communicate. Remember, the, that was like the part of the, you guys didn't read the backstory I wrote? We said, oh, yeah, but can you refresh our memory? And Vaughn said, okay, like uh, there was a, a wizard again. That was the one who found the part going down. And the wizard tried to... Uh, uh, create the part going up, and when the wizard did that, uh, it, the wizard in all the wizard, the, the whole town, because the wizard was going to do it as a monument. This was a this was the humans back when there was humans. This is that myth, uh, and you know, as a, a tribute to humans and humanity, it was a human wizard. And then the all the, the the entire city and the wizard get, got sucked into the silent tower, and that became the soundless realm. And eventually, well, in my backstory, they learned to communicate through telepathy. But that was like a, like that was one of the many stories I wrote. Okay, so what was your point, Vaughn? I said, and Vaughn said, "Well, that sounds like." Size down, go down. Like maybe it's like a. And then we looked at Billy and we said, "Is there a place like that?" And Billy kind of stared at us and kind of nodded. Size down, size down. And we said, "Okay, well that's odd." Uh, and then we said, "Well, how do we get there? How how did they get there?" Uh, we said, well, those weren't really, ant but, like, that's what Vaughn said. That's what I was writing the backstory for. We still didn't know where, like, the, the tower, one theory is that the tower is a single being, the other is that it's a collective being. 
Another thing was that it's a force, uh, uh, but it was definitely a living thing, like some sort of entity. And it had incredible power. And I said, well, it could have just been a power source. And, and Vaughn said, well, it was a portal. Uh, remember in one of the books, it, and we said, oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, those one of the portals was to the silent realm. And then LJ said, well, what if it's uh, there? The, we, we could find a, what if it's something like it's not, there's, there's no tower. It's before the wizard discovered it. Uh, and maybe it's a small something. Maybe it hasn't grown size down. We all said, huh, that's spot. And we said, what about, uh, what about that, Billy? What will we be, were we on to something? And Billy kind of looked at us and nodded again. And meanwhile, uh, while we were talking about this, uh, the, and then uh, Leon said, stopped hearing the singing after they had wandered in uh, to the one room that had that looked like it was a kid's room or pre-teen's room. Uh, Leon said, last heard the ha- like singing down the hallway. Uh, Leon said, found uh, through, through a couple, through a broom closet, of course, uh, and then passed, they said, look, passed a bunch of brooms and all that, uh, and then a office that had tons of computer equipment, then down a staircase, and then a storage room. Uh, the chief eventually found this glowing spiral staircase leading down, further and further down. And the glowing felt so close, but always far away. Uh, and then eventually the, the leveled out. Uh, and then uh, Leon saw something glowing and went uh, towards it, uh, but then uh, heard something shuffling behind him, uh, someone shuffling with uh, shoes that didn't have shoelaces. And then they sang, it was, a, it was, a, it was another frog, and it sang uh, a famous bullfrog lullaby that put Leon right to sleep, and he fell right asleep. Uh, so that was odd. Now, the next day, uh, we were, we were over at, uh, Francis and Dari and Willow's house and, and Francis had spent most of the night on the couch trying to make sense of this album and paying the fine. And she was awoken by her, the arrival of her ex, Lenny, who showed up and Lenny said, Hey, uh, I'm here to help, uh. Uh, here's some breakfast, uh, have some breakfast. And, uh, Francis said, what are you doing here? Like, uh, I don't think we like we're really, uh, and Lenny said, don't you know, like uh, tomorrow's community resource day. So I thought I'd give you some support since the town's probably going to be pretty upset. I heard everything about the album and all of that, and I just wanted to help you get it all figured out, uh, because everybody at town's going to be probably pretty and have strong feelings about that. Uh, your daughter made an album making fun of the town and everybody in it, and most people. Uh, and uh, Frances was pretty like she said, "Yeah, but I'm more concerned about Willow moving away, and finding where Willow's live. Like why? Like uh." They still don't understand 
why Willow wouldn't at least keep in touch with me. And so I'm having feelings about that. You know, I'm trying to just reassess uh, my parenting style and wonder where the communication or how I didn't create an opening, no, no open enough space uh, for Willow to be heard about her hopes and dreams. And Lenny said, well, that's why I'm here to help. Like, that's never been your strong suit. And Francis in her mind said, yes, it has. Uh, but I think it's good, Lenny said, that you're accepting that uh, yeah, maybe we have to f- figure out a way together to communicate and get in touch with Willow about her new career and her album. You know, so we'll figure it out together. We'll get in touch. And then Dari had woken up. Uh, and Dari saw Lenny and rolled her eyes. And Lenny said, hey, Dari, can I talk to you? And, and uh, Dari said, what do you want? What are you doing here? And, and Lenny said, I'm here to help you and your mom. Uh, and Dari said, well, you have, you, you've helped a lot by not, you know, you're, and, and, and Lenny said, well, I'm here to help. Your mom needs help right now. And not eye-rolling and uh, judgmental tones. And Dari said, well, I got to get out of here anyway. I got stuff to do. And Lenny said, well, it's Community Resource Day, so we all have to go to the Community Resource Day event. Um, and she, she said, you got to be kidding me. And then Lenny said, go in your room and get dressed for a Community Resource Day. I realize with all the hubbub, you forgot about it, but it's our most important day in our town. And we're going to be there to represent, and uh, it's a requirement, so I don't know what you want. Uh, and... Uh, I guess Dari said, yeah, I guess you're right. I do. It is a requirement of living in our town. And I'll explain that in a second. This is Willow telling you that. But, uh, and then Lenny said, you know what? And, and take down these posters of these like, uh, musicians you look up to, especially that poster that, uh, otter, like otter band, uh, jug bands are for, because jug bands are for people that drink from jugs uh, and do the laundry outside. And Dari said, if you haven't looked, we do our laundry outside. Uh, and he said, well, don't drink from any jugs is what I'm saying. So take down that poster. It glamorizes jug drinking. And Dari said, they're playing the jug uh, as a musical instrument. It's a jug band. And he said, that's a waste of a wash tub. If you got to do your laundry outside, uh, uh, then for Lenny said, you got to drink from a jug to have an empty jug to play. So take that poster down and respect your mother and no more music in this home while I'm here. Uh, and uh, uh, Dari said, okay, I guess. Now, meanwhile... All of us realized it was the next day. Like, last you left off with me and my friends, it was a night. But we all went home, and our parents all told us, tomorrow's we realize you're down about your friend Will making fun of you and making fun of the town, but tomorrow is Community Resource Day, and we have these seasonally. And this, but it's not super important. But uh, anyway, so... uh, Oh, so so we all had to get ready for it. You have to wear your best clothes. And it's actually really, uh, unfortunately, normally it's a very upbeat event. But we did know that it was going to be really embarrassing because the songs 
even the song titles that everybody in town knew about each of us that Willow had written songs about or whoever wrote the album. They all really made fun of us, so it was really, really, really embarrassing and not something we were looking forward to, but normally you'd look forward to it. So the Community Resource Day, it's like a so everybody in town comes, even people that don't live in town proper come, anybody that considers themselves a member of our community, and we live in a community-based uh we all contribute and we all, like, that's kind of the values of where we live. Everybody's a part of things and we're all interdependent and we all rely on one another. It's part of being in the swamp and, and living off the swamp. It's like uh, you have to prepare for winter and everyone has to work together. And that's even what our game Bards and Big Bunnies is about, like protecting community resources and sharing community resources. And Community Resource Day is kind of like one of the symbolic days where we remind ourselves of that. So it starts off pretty intense uh, because you go, like, there's a fair afterwards. I'll tell you about the fair first because that's the fun part. Uh, You know, there's rides, there's treats, there's games, there's music, there's laughter. You know, there's comedic performers, you know, there's shoe tying events and leaping events, dancing, everything you'd want as a kid and even as an adult. And everybody kind of lets loose. Uh, It's on a Friday, like if you go by the calendar that that I've learned about as a journalist. So then you celebrate on Friday. You don't have to go to work or school. Uh, but the first part of it is a little bit more serious and somber. That's why there's so much release afterwards. So every member of the community of every age, now if you're a little baby or something or a toddler, you can be escorted by uh, whoever is, uh, you know, whoever takes care of you. But every person, you get a symbolic acorn and you hold it in your hand and you wait in line Everyone's randomly chosen and called up, and everybody holds their acorn. You stand in front of the entire community, and you're next to what looks like an old tree, but it's not an old tree. It's a, it's actually a hidden underground storage thing. It's like a, a tree we made, and there's a hole in it, and, and it's like one of our backup acorn supplies, uh, and so you hold this acorn and then you drop it in the hole. But before that, you look at the town and you try to look as many people in the eye as possible. And you pause and then you sing. You take part in the singing, this community song, where you sing about some of the things you've consumed and benefited from the community. And you sing the song of thanks and gratitude. And then you sing a part of the song of an apology of like a really specific way you've not, uh, it's shorter than it sounds like I'm just explaining it, but it's really just a three part uh, short song. You know, though, some people will sing longer like Babs last year, uh, sang forever and ever and ever. 
but so you you uh, you so you sing a second part, which is an apology of something you didn't do that you could have done, some choice you made that you remember. And again, this goes in. This is important. So, like, uh, if you don't do it, uh, you get like uh, you pretty much get unlimited tickets for everything at the fair if you do if you do this. And then if you don't, you get like a limited number of tickets. Uh, to spend on the rides and the games and the the treats and stuff. Also, it goes into your school. like So it has consequences. And it's more positive consequences. Like, it's more positive than negative. So you sing the apology, and then you sing what you're going to do differently uh, that you've learned. So what change you're going to make. And then you drop your acorn. And everybody does it, and... Uh, you know, so basically, you say thank you, I'm sorry, and I promise to do better. Uh, and it's very, very powerful and very fun. But it's also fun for the kids, you know, because we kind of laugh at one another. But we all went, all of us, uh, we saw each other. I guess we were supposed to have heavy hearts, but we knew that Willow's album was not real. Uh, so it's only kind of embarrassing. But we more thought about it like uh, the other people who had been mentioned in the song. So when we went to the community resource and someone would go up on stage, sometimes we would start laughing. And we'd see other people laughing uh, because you say, oh, that was what they were in Willow's song, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, the, the, the whiskers or, uh, you know, whatever, the way they, you know, they, they eat their carrots or something. I don't know. So we were kind of having a good time, but we were getting shushed because we were supposed to be serious. But we were also getting a lot of looks uh, and uncomfortable looks from people, but not as many as uh, Dari, Francis, and Lenny. You know, Lenny was more of a distant person. So, But meanwhile, Francis was standing there, and she was listening to the singing, and she was thinking about Willow. And she was kind of like a, a little bit... Uh, gone, like gone in her mind, like thinking about memories. So she wasn't really feeling all the hard looks she was getting from everybody in town. Uh, because I'm sure people thought it was just kind of hanging over her head uh, and that she should be embarrassed. And Dari was not, oh, yeah, I'll tell you about what was uh, Francis was thinking about. But Dari was more, she would stare people right back that were staring at her until they looked away. Dari was not going to back down. Like, Dari was like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, uh, you're not going to, like, judge me and my mom for my sister starting an album uh, and moving away. Like, uh, we've worked very hard. And uh, um, and she was also, also in the back of her mind still thinking more about Babs uh, because her and Tefe were supposed to figure out where Babs was. And uh, because, so Babs, they had gone to visit Lenny to see if Willow was at Lenny's, which Willow was not. Then Dari came out and Babs and Tefe were kissing. They went uh, to, like, they started driving home. Dari drove home. Then she was so irritated that she got out of the car. And then Teffy got out of the car to apologize to Dari. They came back and Babs was gone. They thought Babs went home. And meanwhile, they, uh, 
figured out recently that no, Babs didn't go home. She was somewhere and possibly again, unbeknownst to us or to even Leon, Babs and Tefe were looking to the fact that maybe uh, Babs had gone with a big bunny. And if Babs had, uh, in the back of Dari's mind, she said, maybe Willow has too. And this big bunny is uh, has some part in all of this. Uh, so that's where, so she was mostly just glaring at people and saying, who are you? Like, uh, like everybody's got to cast their acorn anyway. You know, none of us are perfect. And I think actually her glaring because it was unspoken, actually, maybe before people went up there, put in their mind, and some people actually said sorry, like, uh, and apologized in their songs, uh, not directly to Dari and Francis, but in a way that was clear. Uh, but probably not, you know, she should have just said, geez, sorry for, just, like, judging you, Dari and Francis. I know it's not easy, and uh, we're not perfect. Now, the other thing was, uh, so uh, Francis, so Francis was kind of staring off and she was remembering like good times with Willow and Willow's, because so Willow had gone through this phase of writing Bards and Bunny uh, parody music uh, because there was like uh, these two uh, like uh, artists or groups of artists like uh, that put, put out this one album together uh the Double Clicks and Judy Tenuta. Uh, and they had put out a Bards and Bunnies, like an album. And, and so, like, uh, Willow had been writing a lot of uh, Bards and Bunny parody songs of, like, some of her heroines. And she was kind of singing it at the table for her mom. Uh, and uh, Francis said, well, geez, that sounds like an intense song. It's kind of got some edge uh Willow, you're just a kid. Why would you be singing about uh, uh, Bad Bards was the name of the song. Bad, 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 bad Bards. And she said, doesn't it sound like that's like magic? And like, uh, she was, I'm not comfortable with my daughter singing that kind of stuff. And Willow said, Mom, like, uh, sometimes like not all magic is good and not people, not everybody uses magical powers or any powers or community resource powers for a good. And, you know, Francis was a knowing person. So she said, I know, I know you're right. Uh, and she goes, so some, even the bards, sometimes there's bad, bad bards. It's better. We know about the bad bards and, uh, you know, the, those bards could be good singers. Uh, and she said, holy cow, you're right. Uh, you're right. Like, uh, but she goes, maybe make the bad, ba-. she goes, what about bad, 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 Brad Bard? And uh, then Francis said, uh, and then Willow said, that might be too many, but like, but, but she goes, it's not supposed to be a tw- tongue twister, mom. It's supposed to be a, a song. So that was what was happening with uh, uh, with with uh, Francis and Dari. Now, the, eventually, the ceremony ended, and we all took our turns. And then the the, the celebration started. But we were actually distracted. We were not interested for the first time ever in the rides or the games or any of that stuff. We were just thinking about. 
this puzzle, this odd puzzle we were trying to solve of where was Willow. And we knew our favorite moose uh, professor would uh, could help us. So, so we sat down at the cider where we had you could have cider and go nuts, uh, go nuts and cider. And uh, we sat down at the table and we said, listen, uh, we want to talk to you. And the professor said, okay, what do you want to talk about? And then Vaughn said, mind reading. And uh, uh said, okay, well, you know, if I could read your minds, I know it wouldn't be easy. You know, if my friend put out a album goofing on me in the town. Uh, so, yeah, and I know, like, uh, you don't have to be a mind reader to figure that out. But you might be wondering what the rest of the town's thinking and wishing they could read their minds. And I'm sure they've all had at times, maybe it more reminds them of the times uh, their friends picked on them. And they, we said, no, 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 no. We we're thinking, is, could you, is telepathy real? And the uh, professor said, well, yeah, it's possible. Uh, uh, it's possible, but it's not provable. Uh, to communicate by thought, uh, you know, there's the whole idea of extrasensory perception. And the professor went in this long talk where we almost like dozing off about, uh, well, just using to strength ways you could strengthen your senses or people that are dependent on, uh, one sense, uh, because, uh, they, they've developed a skill with one sense because they've needed to develop a stronger use of one sense over the other. And uh, we said, well, okay, so you could, it's possible. And the professor said, well, if you could communicate, if it was a sense that we knew about, uh, but right now, you know, these are the senses we have, you know, sight, sound, and those kind of things. We said, well, what would it take uh, to do that? And uh, said, uh, something magical, I guess, or, you know, something as magic as evolution, but that takes a long time. And then we talked about the myth of humans and, uh, you know, that they weren't very good caretakers of the swamp or any place and that... uh, uh, we needed to like evolve to be more community based. Uh, like uh, those are some of the myths that, that we're not taught, but that we hear about, so that things could flourish. Uh, like how we evolved uh, to be a community that's trying to flourish and help one another flourish. And then we said, oh, "Okay, well, uh, what about like?" Uh, is there like a, a, a tower? Do you know anything about the, like, that if something could grow, like an organic tower that could grow down and up at the same time? Uh, like, uh, like that's, and you could go inside of it. Uh, and like, uh, like the southern swamp, like, and the professor said, you mean like a tree? Like that, like an organic thing that goes down and up, uh, and that things live in. And we said, well, what if, uh, well, not just a tree. Uh, that's pretty funny, Professor. But we're talking about like in the like uh, in the, the Silent Tower. Remember the Silent Tower? 
And then Professor, of course, was playing us and said, yeah, you know, yeah, the one where the wizard found the, the, the hole, the, the, the tunnel that went down, and it was a being and then forced it to grow. And then, yeah. Uh, and they said, we said, well, how would you find something like that? Uh, and the professor said, well, uh, like, how would you find something in the earth? Uh, and we said, well, what about a, a silent realm? Uh, the, the, that was the other thing. And the professor said, but uh, maybe you didn't read closely enough that uh, even the communicating by telepathy was putting off a vibration. And we said, what? And the professor said, you didn't read the novella about like a... Uh, and uh, we said, well, if there was a vibration from a soundless realm, how would you find it? Uh, and we, the professor said, okay, well, let me tell you this other metaphor. Like, uh, there's a, a place uh, that's not like the swamp. Uh, there's places that are known as uh, deserts uh, and places that are arid. And remember, we were talking about this in class, and we said, yeah, yeah, we kind of remember. And he said, okay, well, one of the ideas is to find water. And he goes, and it's very similar, is uh, divining, right? Uh isn't that one of the things you can do in bards and bunnies? Uh, and he said, uh, you search for water uh, and you try to find, and we said, well, you're losing us, professor. And then the professor kind of, it was like uh, the professor kind of, I think the professor just slowly fell asleep to his own kind of talking. And then we said, well, let's rest here at the table and get some sleep too. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do next. Uh, so we will put our heads down, even though everybody else was enjoying the community resource fair and took a little nap. Good night.